I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. My guest today is the host and producer of one of Australia's most top-rated wellness podcasts. Sarah Greenberg is the host of A Life of Greatness, where she interviews some of the world's biggest celebrities. We met when she interviewed me. I'm not one of the world's biggest celebrities, but we had an enormously fulfilling and connected conversation Uh, the first time we met to talk about Solve for Happy. And then Sarah reached out many times afterwards for me to speak again when Australia was in lockdown, on the second lockdown. And uh, of course, to, you know, recently we recorded Around Scary Smart. And uh, every time we connected, we felt closer simply because we share the same value set, the same purpose, if you want. Sarah, through her experience of over a decade of working with some of the world's biggest names, of course, as well as her own ongoing research, studying the greats, basically, those who achieve some kind of or some form of greatness in life, she formulated her own blueprint, if you want, for achieving greatness. And those practices and techniques help her to find her own self, if you want, but also help her with her ultimate goal which is really to share this wisdom and knowledge through her talks and podcasts with anyone who needs it so that they too can lead their own life of greatness. Today, I'm going to show you the person behind the microphone. So, so the person that is normally asking the question is today going to be asked the questions about herself and her own path to finding herself. My dear friend, Sarah Greenberg. For everyone listening, so Sarah and I are really, 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 really good friends who have never met. I have never actually seen Sarah as a person. She could be an avatar created by our AI and I would not know, but very good avatar if that's the case, I will have to say. And Sarah, among many other projects, is the host of A Life of Greatness in Australia, which if you're Australian, of course you know of, because it's an amazing, amazing podcast. If you are not and you haven't heard of it, what have you been doing with your life? Like uh, seriously, Sarah and I connected when she asked to host me on A Life of Greatness to talk about happiness. But I think we connected even more when Australia went into lockdown and Sarah, almost like a a committed warrior hunted me down on Instagram, on WhatsApp, everywhere and said, people are unhappy. We need to talk to them. And of course, when you meet people with the same purpose, if you want, Sarah's purpose, I think is very much aligned to mine, which is to make the world better. I think you start to say, oh my God. And of course we had a wonderful conversation at the beginning of lockdown and, you know, we keep getting closer and closer every time we speak um, many times now. How's the lockdown, Sarah? Is it any better in Australia? It isn't great at the moment, but I wanted to add, Mo, and it's so true with our friendship. It has evolved so nicely like that. I mean, you are the type of person where 
someone I, I, I feel would meet you once and fall madly in love with your beautiful personality. But Thank you. isn't it an amazing thing that you can make a friendship with someone over Zoom, which a lot of us have had to do over the last couple of years, and yet that friendship can be so strong. I have it with a few of the other people I've interviewed where mm. I feel like I've never actually met them because they might live in America or England or wherever, yet they have become so close over the last few years. And I I feel that that is just, it shows you how much and how real energy is. Exactly. I was just going to say, you don't connect with the person's physical form. We connect with the essence of the person. Yeah. And I think the essence comes across regardless of distance, regardless of your strange accent. Sorry, Sarah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, and my strange accent. <laughs> oh, look who's talking. No, I, I, I mean, in reality, it is actually so beautiful. It is a very clear sign, I think, that we're more essence and energy than we are physical forms. You know, you, you find that connection that way, really. Absolutely. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I think, I think we've spoken about this before, I'm unsure, but there'll be times where I interview people and I'll get off the call and it feels like this, it's a feeling of nirvana, of ecstasy, where you are so high from the conversation and that is completely via energy exchange yeah. because yeah. you're looking at them through a screen. They're not actually in the room with you. Mm. And that has happened on so many occasions where it made me really realize that energy can be so beautiful and so loving and so intense and it can be felt miles away. It's an extraordinary thing. It really is. And I have to say, I mean, you probably know that I'm not the only one that tells you that when we speak, I feel that you are not working. This is not a job for you. I was on A Life of Greatness now twice and we recorded for Scary Smart. Yes. And the way the conversation goes feels to me that you are completely curious. This is not like your job with a set of questions that you have to fill an hour of podcasting with. This is you going like, I need to know this. Like there is almost a hunger in your approach, which I think comes across very, 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 very clearly on Zoom. I I would be surprised if we're in the same room because then you would like sort of grab me and say, talk. You know? <laughs> it is. So why is that? I've done like a million interviews in my life. Rarely ever like that. Why is it that for you? I think... A lot of the time I will interview people and I'm wanting to know about them because of my interest in what they do. So firstly, with the podcast, I will never just interview someone. I'm really, really selective about who I interview. That is, you know, I get, and I'm sure you do as well, a lot of people asking to come on the podcast. And it's not that I think their work is no good. It's that I need to know their work or then need to look them up and feel really into what they do. So then by the stage that I'm actually interviewing them, I know a lot about them. I probably have read their books and 
I want to know questions about that they have the information to, they have the answers to that will be life-changing for myself. And I feel what I want is the same as what a lot of other people want. And that has what that's what's really worked for me because I'm asking the questions that everybody wants to know the answers of. And that's what people write and always say, oh, my God, you asked the questions that I have been thinking that I wanted to ask that person for so long or people will write and say to me, you know, you got something out of that person. I've heard them do 100 million interviews before, but the way they spoke to you was different. And I think a lot of the time as well, when I speak to people, it isn't like it's work. It's not like I sit there and go, it's very structured and it's serious. Yeah. I mean, we talk about serious topics, but I do it in a way that's so unbelievably casual that it allows people to open up to me and reveal things about themselves that they may never have before. And I don't do it in a way that's intrusive. I do it because I'm just genuinely interested. And Mm. that's then allowed me to interview Holocaust survivors or, you know, people that have lost their children in tragic ways or people who have been, had their physical limbs amputated or, you know, shocking traumas. But I'm ensure that I deal with them in such a beautiful, graceful way that it then allows them to open up and share other aspects of their life that they may never have shared before. And I feel that's so beautiful. And I also make sure that the space that I create with the person is very sacred. Mm. So it's just obviously them and I, and I will never do anything to poke in a way where I feel is uncomfortable for them. So I'm always... I can read the room very well and it's not something that is learned. It's something that's definitely innate. Yeah. Does it not get old? I mean, you've interviewed hundreds of people. I mean, I don't say that to discourage people, but to actually encourage people. The, the science of greatness, the science of well-being, the science of happiness is more or less the same. I speak about it from an engineer's point of view, a master like Eckhart Tolle speaks about it differently and and so on, right? But it's more or less the same. I mean, and I know you, so I know you've internalized a lot of that already, but yet you're so curious. What makes you expect that I would say anything different than the master himself, right? I think it's because, and you would know this, everybody has a different version of what their happiness is or what their greatness is. They all might be speaking about similar things, but their version is so different and there are gems in every single episode. Like, for example, the interview that came out the other day was Simon Sinek. And he's a big big leadership expert, right? So he talks a lot about leadership and teams and all that kind of stuff. I mean, his take on greatness is completely different, but the same. So you're just getting bits and pieces from his life experience and his unbelievable wisdom. And then I'm interviewing a Holocaust survivor and she's talking about similar, you talk about empathy, you're talking about happiness, you're talking about grief, all these topics that are similar, but they've got a different lens. And I think no one very rarely has exactly the same lens as the person next to them. As you know, two children can grow up in the same home and have the same sort of experiences, but the lens from which they see things through is always completely different. 
And this is the same for the people I interview. There'll be thought leaders in their area or authors on a particular subject. But your idea of happiness, Mo, is different to uh, Joe Dispenza's idea of happiness or Bruce Lipton's idea of happiness. And that's what makes my conversations with these people so rich. So a life of greatness is now how many years, how many episodes, how many? Two and a half years. I actually don't know the number of episodes. It's probably shy of 200, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it started off in seasons and then there would be breaks and all that kind of stuff. And then I realized that I just was getting amazing guest after amazing guest. And I thought to myself, why am I not just dropping this weekly? I, <laughs> I know well, that feeling. I know, you know that like, feeling. What am I waiting for a season? Like I may as well just drop these conversations a couple of weeks or, you know, after I had them. So then it's it expanded and became weekly and then you get the momentum of the big downloads and nothing stops you after that. Yeah. Um, and now it's probably been weekly for a year and a half, I think. Yeah, probably nearly a year and a half it's been a weekly podcast. And, you know, as we were discussing offline, that is a lot of work um, <laughs> yes. when you've got other things that you do as well. Yeah. But it's so unbelievably rewarding. I mean, to have these conversations with people that have changed my life, and I think that's the thing that people forget that when we have these conversations with people, they are actually life-changing for the person that are having the conversation, not just the the person listening to it who loves the podcast. Like I have interviewed people, for example, Caroline Mace is one of my all-time favourite interviews. She's just amazing, amazing woman and um, she's a spiritual and medical intuitive but she is wise, absolutely wise, that lady. That conversation with her changed my life. I've gone back and listened to it, I reckon, 20 times. Seriously? Serious nuggets of gold in that conversation, so moving, so beautiful. There are key lines she says that just make when I feel off center, that just center me again. So two major difference here. I never, ever in my life listened to a slow-mo, ever. (laughs) Ever. I cannot stand my voice. I know this sounds really weird. I just cannot. Like, who's this obnoxious, annoying little girl speaking? That's all I hear when I hear me. So never, ever listen to a slow-mo. I have to say, no, I listened to Jimmy Nelson's once because I completely adore that human being, adore him so much. And the podcast, I think it was in the early days, maybe episode 30 something, he opened up so beautifully and I I couldn't, I cried my head off and I had to listen to it again. But I think that was the only time. And the other thing is, I, you know, I went from two episodes a week to one episode a week and it kills me. Like I really am suffering because I have all of those amazing people I want to talk to. And I'm like, why am I restricting myself? I mean, I could go to five a week sometimes, maybe just talk to them and discard the conversation. It's like, I love this. It's so enjoyable, right? Especially when you talk to friends. And actually, the other interesting thing is that we end up being friends. So even if I talk to someone I didn't know before, we end up being good friends. And it's just amazing. This whole thing is like, we have the best jobs on the planet. We absolutely have the best jobs on the planet. I thought that the other day, like going back to your first question that I never actually answered, which was about COVID and lockdowns, which we have in Australia at the moment. The thing that has been getting me through months and months of lockdowns, and please note that we've had six months or something worth of lockdowns last year as well, is the fact that I still get to interview people. I still get to have these dynamic 
soulful mm. conversations with people. So even though we don't have the ability to be go to go out for dinner with a person or see your friends at a barbecue or something like that, I can still feel really enlightened by having these weekly conversations I have with people which are so beautiful. But it hasn't been easy for the rest of Australia. I have to say I'm getting lots of messages. Some people are really suffering, right? I mean, it has oh, been difficult. It's terrible. It's terrible. We've been in lockdown for such a long time now and hopefully they're waiting now for the vaccination rates to get to the 70-80% and then they say that Sydney and Melbourne will open the other states. I don't mm. know what's going on there. We've got one state that doesn't want to open because they've had zero cases for God knows how long. So they just kind of uh, just by themselves. <laughs> it's like you guys figure it out. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they, well, they don't want other states to come and bring COVID to them. So mm. they're kind of just content being like that. They potentially might open in April or something. I don't know. I was just reading some stuff about it today. So, yeah, it, it's complicated and... It's been really hard, but our summer is on its way. We're in spring at the moment and hopefully it's always harder when your country's in winter with COVID and obviously Mm -hmm, flus mm -hmm. and viruses and all that stuff. So coming into our summer, vaccinations are going well. We're going to hit targets that we are supposed to. And, yeah, hopefully everything will open up and we'll learn to live with a virus that unfortunately we weren't learning to live with. We were just trying to suppress. Yeah, I I think that's such a different point of view. I mean, I was actually reading a section of Scary Smart, an analogy to how we handled COVID-19 to the analogy of how we're expected to handle artificial intelligence. And the whole idea is that humanity just has that tendency to turn everything into a war. It's like, okay, let's try to eradicate COVID-19, try to do that with artificial intelligence, and we are toast. I'm reading the audiobook now. And so when I'm reading it, I'm like, damn, humanity, please don't do this. It's okay to live with something and not uh, fight it all the time. Enough. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about you. I know that you were not always this curious. I mean, there is always a moment in everyone's life where you start to become focused on something else, but you are totally dedicated completely living a life of purpose and service. You are totally curious, constantly investing in yourself. And you're very spiritual, religious even. Not religious, spiritual. Spiritual, all right. And not a lot of people live that way. Let's just put it this way. How did it start? When did this become you? So I always had it in me that I was interested or curious about spirituality. It was something... From a young age, I can't pinpoint a moment it occurred, but I was always interested in the idea of the angelic realm and what happened when you died, like the idea of do we continue the soul. But obviously I didn't do anything. I just was curious about that. And I was never scared of death. That's been something that has never frightened me. Whilst it scares a lot of other people, it never... It never brought, brought fear to me. I mean, I didn't like the idea of other people dying because I, you know, I would miss them. But I was never worried and, and obviously still am not about myself going. And then it got to late teens and I'm my religion is Judaism, but I'm not religious. 
I mean, I love being Jewish, but I, yeah, I like it from a spiritual perspective more so. And I found a Kabbalah teacher, the best one in Melbourne where I live. And basically we learned the Kabbalah. Like I asked him, can you please teach me the Kabbalah? So we would sit down at his kitchen table and he would read me passages about the Kabbalah and then we would talk about it. And it's just so unbelievably beautiful. And this was years and years ago. So then that time passes and I just go on my merry way. But again, always kind of interested in spirituality and psychics and things like that. I always just, there was something in me that just loved that. And then I got into breakfast radio producing. So I've been a producer for many years and worked at our biggest radio station in the country. And I got the job at our, at the number one show doing breakfast radio, which is such an amazing job. But at the same time, the hours are unbelievably grueling. So at the time I had a two and a four-year-old and I was getting up. Yeah, I was getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning to then go and do the radio producing and it just, the environment was really bad and even though I made a lot of beautiful friends there, there was just a lot of stuff that went on at the time that made everyone very unhappy So, and the hours were horrendous. So basically it's that whole idea of the dark night of the soul. And I remember coming home one day and I was feeling really unwell. And then I woke up the next day and I, there was a lot of fear around the job as well. And I remember calling in sick. And even then I was so sick with a a virus that, and very run down that I remember just looking out the window and thinking to myself, this is awful. I can't go on living like this where my mind is so full and so stressed out with thoughts and worries. I was at breaking point where I thought to myself, I need something more than this. Like life can't be like this. This is, I'm in the best role at this huge media company and I'm so deeply unhappy. I need more to life than this. And it was that moment where I was like, I'm, I need to do something. And so then I just became obsessed with reading self-improvement books. I had known from a girlfriend of mine about the law of attraction. And so I got really into Esther and Jerry Hicks's books, the Abraham Hicks stuff. And I really enjoyed that. I got into a lot of Louise Hay, like very things that most people start out on when they're on this journey. And I was like a moth to a flame. This information was <laughs> had been there my whole life. Yet once I actually started reading it, I I just I got it. I got it. And the difference is I didn't just read it. I started to actually practice it and embody it and became really good at it. From there it expanded into learning about quantum physics. And then I was like, whoa, this is so unbelievably interesting. And from quantum physics, I learned about manifestation and I got into meditation and I do these big meditations and incorporate manifestation into them. And it was the thing that I think everyone experiences when they really get into this work is when you start seeing things in your life shift. And it didn't take seven months or two years. It literally took a month or two. It was as soon as I changed my thought patterns, as soon as I was watching what was coming out of my mouth, 
and I understood the laws of cause and effect and the law of attraction and those kind of things, the spiritual laws, I started using them to my ability and living them and my life just absolutely flourished. So, I mean, this is actually quite bizarre, but it worked all in my favor. So this job that I hated and would literally say to friends every day, I hate this job, I hate this job, oh my God, you know, the breakfast radio job. And then out of nowhere, I my boss takes me into a room and basically says, look, I mean, I live in Melbourne and we were, this was a Sydney breakfast show and we were doing it from Melbourne. They said, unfortunately, it's being moved to Sydney, so you'll have to like move to Sydney if you want to keep your job, which basically was making me redundant. And I remember thinking, what? How is this even possible? I am the one that... I hate the job, but I mean, I, I don't want to be like. <laughs> I, I, I get to choose to leave you. You don't choose to leave me. <laughs> exactly. And I, at that time, had been at the company, I think, for seven years. And I thought, what? Like, I'm just this amazing company I've been at. I'm just going to go. And so this is bizarre. And I actually remember telling Caroline Mace this story, and she was on the floor laughing because we talked, Caroline and I talked a lot about prayer. But I will never forget, Mo. I lay in bed that night. And I looked up at the sky and I don't even know who I was praying to. And I said, please, God, or whoever is up there, (laughs) please, I really like the company I'm working at. I would love to stay at the company, but I really, I can't, I have kids, I can't go on working these hours and they're, you know, five grueling days a week with these long hours. And please, I still like working with talent, but can you make a nice talent? talent that really appreciate me and who I would really enjoy working with. And I mean, look, I'm not saying in your prayers, please don't be picky like I was. I don't know. Oh my how God. I no, 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 no. Be picky. We'll come back to this in a minute. I <laughs> okay. absolutely love what you're saying. And I kind of, you know, then went to sleep and I then got literally, I think, thinking like, oh my God, I'm about to lose my job from this huge company I've worked at for so many years from a role I hated And then I got a tap on the shoulder basically from our general manager and he said, look, Sarah, I've put the feelers out. We've just started a podcast arm because this is when podcasting had just started. I I don't think I'd even listen to a podcast. Would you be interested in going in there? And I'm thinking, well, if it's going to like save my job, sure. And then he's like, but I want to tell you, if you go in there confidentially, the biggest radio show in the country that has these huge guys on it, their name's Hamish and Andy, you, they're going to start a podcast next year and we would like you to be their executive producer. So basically the biggest celebrities in Australia, you will hmm. look after them and, and the nicest, the nicest. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And then I said to him, well, I only want to do four days a week from nine till four. And they're like, that's completely fine. And then I got home that day and I thought, oh, my effing God, my wish was fulfilled. I asked for part-time. I asked to still work at the company and I asked to still work with big celebrities, but make them nice. Make them nice. My wishes were fulfilled. It was the Wayne Dyer book. It was crazy. And that's when I realized that all our prayers are answers, answered and not an answer is an answer. And they're always heard. Our prayers are always heard. And that also, when you start changing your life, you, in a good way, and follow this self-improvement work and follow the spiritual laws of success, then your life starts to change as well. And then it was this, 
it all happened so fast, Mo. So not only was I then the executive producer, which I still am, of the number one podcast in Australia, which has millions of downloads. I've been their producer for the last four years. I, a year later, then started my own podcast, A Life of Greatness. I thought it happened in a meditation. I was meditating one day and I thought, why wouldn't I just start a podcast about self-improvement? And, you know, I'm working there and I put it forward to my boss and he was like, yeah, you know, let's like write a plan. And then he approved it. And he's like, well, just do some interviews. And then the interviews went really well. And it then obviously became huge. And then they seriously took it on. And it's now one of their biggest podcasts. But not only that, it's just synchronicities in my life that happen most weeks beautiful synchronicities, people I get to, people who are like-minded that are then attracted into my life, wonderful people. And it then, you know, my life started to change. Friendships that weren't serving me anymore fell away. And as hard as that was, it made room for beautiful friendships to then arise and open. And something I learned a while ago that I say at the end of my prayer every morning is, please, close the doors that I'm not supposed to walk through and open the ones that I am and let's walk through them together. I say that to the divine. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Because really I've realized that just because something work doesn't work out and this took so long to realize, just because it doesn't work out doesn't mean everything is lost. Another door that's even better will be opened. And you know what I've learned as well? Want it, wish it, don't hold on too tight because as soon as you hold on too tight, that's when things don't start working and you're trying to control them. So I don't get too attached to things because I always, I would get very attached to things. My life has changed so much. I can't begin to tell you in the most magical way and I feel so blessed then to be able to share what I've learned with so many people. First of all, I I have to go back to that comment of I was praying to God or whoever is up there. Who is up there? Do you have a stand on this? Well, I look, I like to say God. I believe in God, the divine. But what I always say to my children is that the divine, and this is what a lo- lot of religions, this is the difference for me between spirituality and religion. With spirituality, I believe the divine is in all of us. So the divine is in you. It's in me. It's in the dog. It's in the tree outside whilst a lot of religions they say that god is separate it's a thing that you worship and pray to whilst i believe even though we're talking to this energy field that energy field is within us as well so we have the power it's in us as much as it's in the next person it's like a, almost like a you know they talk about your higher self it's the idea of the higher self as well your soul whatever you want to call it they're not contradictory, I think. I think religions just tend to have a confirmation bias, if you want. So so they basically, every religion, at least I, that I have studied, basically says that there is the divine in us. But they sort of ignore that bit afterwards. They go like, yeah, there well, is Well, the interpretation really, isn't it, that goes a bit... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a divine in us, of course, but sort of like we come from an ocean and the ocean is still there, but you are part of the ocean. I love that concept. But I have to say, most people, I mean, your story is full of interesting, important points for people to point out. Most people don't do what you did. Most people will have that job and they will continue to go every day and complain in the evening. 
What makes you go, no, I just can't do this anymore? What makes you go, no, I have to do something about myself, about my own view of things, my own ability to manifest, my own studies, my own investment in myself, instead of going like, I'm going to look for another job and continue to be miserable? Well, I mean, the job was taken away from me, so really I didn't do much about that. But that was part of my self-improvement. It was the universe made- I don't think the job was taken away from you. I think your prayer was answered and the job had to leave for your prayer to be answered, right? Well, I said the prayer after the job was taken away. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But in saying that, I was doing all the self-improvement work before then. So I was doing all of the law of attraction and manifestation and that kind of stuff. So I think having that, it was pushing things out of the way that weren't serving me and the job was absolutely not serving me. And, you know, the first thing is that I learned is the universe will give you stuff in a way that you could never have imagined. So, for example, I was distraught when I made redundant, but at the same time it opened up that new door that I was talking about, closed the door of one to open up the door of another. So that's why the whole idea of when you come to something and it doesn't seem quite right, don't be discouraged because the next best thing is going to be coming your way. I mean, the universe is not unfriendly. It's a friendly universe. It's a friendly universe. So I think that's the first thing that people need to realize. But I, I just realized that dark night of the soul where I was at home sick, I realized then that I didn't want to be miserable for the rest of my life. And I also I also realized that there were people around me that had achieved such amazing things. And, you know, my grandparents didn't go through the Holocaust, but they had a lot of friends that did. And why were they all happy now? Like what made them have that greatness in them that allowed them to lead happy lives? Why were there friends of mine that, you know, didn't have the whole amazing job and amazing house and maybe partner or anything, but they were so full of happiness. And that to me became a real interest. I became interested in finding out how these people achieved greatness and how they basically, regardless of their circumstance, were unbelievably happy people. And that's what I then went into studying the bits and pieces of people's lives and working out so why are these people all so different yet they come together in the same happiness as each other? That to me I found intriguing and that's the premise for the podcast as well about achieving greatness and why can I have someone like yourself on the podcast or a Joe Dispenza or a Holocaust survivor or a Taryn Toomey who does fitness yet they're all coming to tell about their experiences of how they've achieved great things. One of the things I know about listening to your podcast is, I don't know how to say it. I think there is, I don't think you see celebrity at all. I think you deal with people like humans. So tell me a bit about that. I mean, most people, if they sit in front of the people that you sit in front of, they'll sort of like follow the cliche. You're talking to the big shot, so you're going to have to ask the normal questions. But you don't. You get people to cry. You get people to open up. What's the secret behind that? Well, I think that what I always got taught and I was very good at is always seeing everyone as equal. And I actually had this conversation with my son the other day. I said, don't ever fear anyone or don't think that anyone is ever below you. No one is above you. No one is below you. Everyone on this earth is equal. And when you see people 
in that way, then no one is better than you. And and you know what's interesting, Mo, in the days of not COVID, and so a lot of these were obviously Australian people that I'd interview in the office, and there were huge names. And I actually saw, like, we hadn't even started the interview yet, and I saw that they were really nervous. And I remember thinking to myself, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, you scare us like that, Sarah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> Oh, my God, like they're nervous. These people are huge entertainers that have done so much on-camera work or whatever. They've been in the media for such a long time, yet I'm going to sit down and do an hour interview with them and I can see, I can feel their nervous energy. And that humbled me a lot because it made me realise that even though they're big names, they're not seeing themselves as being any bigger than what I am and that's how I view everyone. So then I'm able to not go gaga over people. Like there's a famous race car driver called Daniel Ricciardo. He's an Australian race car driver. He actually just won this huge Formula One race on the weekend. People are obsessed with him. Firstly, I know nothing about Formula One. Had to do a lot of research before the interview. But secondly, I mean, he's just, this guy's a bit younger than me, but you know, he's just a kid who's <laughs> nice. and he happens to be good at riding Formula One cars, driving Formula One cars, and that's amazing, and we're going to just talk about life. And when you talk to people in that way, then they absolutely open up to you. And I, Matthew McConaughey, who I interviewed on the podcast, I mean, I adore Matthew. He is phenomenal, such an amazing speaker, amazing person. His morals and his wisdom are next level. But, again, I wasn't nervous before that interview because it's just another person. I mean, we're all people. Someone said to me, we all sh- we all fart, we all have to toilet train our kids, and it's true. Yeah, you can have, I suppose, nannies, but realistically most people are doing those jobs that we're all doing as well. So when you look at people on that level, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, absolutely. And when Soul for Happy became what it became, I started to tour extensively and teach a lot of people, including several times, like tens of times, I would teach very high net worth individuals. Banks would call me to teach their top clients about happiness, or I had billionaire clubs. Did you know there are billionaire clubs in the world? Uh, Wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, so there are billionaire clubs where a small group of people would be there and talking about happiness. Exactly, exactly the same struggles. We all care about our kids. We all complain that our daughter's not doing as best as she should. And we all, you know, at different levels care about losing. Oh, you know, I bought that ticket and I lost it on a flight and I lost $200 for them. They could go like, oh, I bought that stock and I lost a billion dollars. And it's exactly the same. Truly and honestly, humans are just exactly the same. Different suits, different locations, different accents and different phases of our life. But we're all exactly the same. And I I find that perhaps, again, for me, my joy is to remove all of those masks and just connect to the essence, like the real person, right? And it's such a joy because you finally see them for the first time. I have to say, when we spoke last time, you're doing something amazing and you're really changing lives and you're enjoying the hell out of it. And yet you keep changing. You have that very unusual way of like, okay, Here is another area that is completely unknown. 
I'm just going to go and see what that is like. Like, <laughs> I love it, but um, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, your children, when they wander around and they go like, the other go like, stay here, we're, we're here, right? Yes. What's that about, Sarah? So, well, I never used to be like that. Firstly, understand <laughs> that I feared the unknown, like, so much. It was a place where I did not want to go. And I liked being the stability of the known. I liked doing the same thing every day. I like eating similar things. Everything was in the known. And I liked it like that. Like, yeah, I'd complain. And yeah, my life never changed. <laughs> exactly. It's like, leave, leave me here. It's horrible. I'll complain about it, but I'll stay. I'll stay here. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then I realized that no, go into the unknown and it's the field of all opportunities. It's where everything lies. So basically that's what I have done. And I was saying to you before offline, Mo, that, you know, even with my working career, I've said to these big podcasters who I look after that basically I need to leave you at the end of the year because I need to build my greatness brand. I need to build a podcast. I need to go into the unknown and do things because I know from my soul that I need to be able to focus more on helping other people. Like I can do that by producing other people's podcasts, but I can do it way more by focusing on my own work. So I don't know where that's going to land me, but in the same sense, I know it will land me in the right space. And already, as soon as I'm closing doors on one chapter, I've seen other doors start to open. And I mean, that is the only way that we can change our lives is by moving into that rich field and moving into the unknown and meeting new people and having new opportunities come. And it can be a place that may seem scary or fearful, but when you open yourself up to it, it is vast and full of opportunities. So it's that whole idea again of closing one door and letting others open. Why is it? I mean, So I've never, ever, ever, ever wanted to stay in the same place. I mean, to me, life is just a journey of exploration. And so in almost an annoying way, when I've experienced something, I need to continue, right? Either continue on that same path and experience more of it, or if that door is locked, as you call it, then it's time for something else. But that's not usual at all. What makes people stick to the worst experiences and just stay there? Because, I mean, I've got a lot of people that are close to me that do it because they're just fearful of change. So the COVID, a lot of the reason that it was so hard for people initially is because it was a big change Mm. and people didn't know how to deal with that change because they've always had the same things their whole life. And people like suffering. I know that sounds unusual, (laughs) but people... They, they have that mentality where they like to complain and they like to not change anything. They'd rather stay in the consistency of the suffering than go into the unknown to possibly change it. So I'm not talking about suffering from an illness or anything like that, but I mean suffering from their own misery. So, you know, you see sometimes a lot of old people do it. They complain, 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 complain. But then when you say, hey, you could do this or you could do that, they don't want to do it, right? We become rigid and we're not flexible. And that whole idea is of change, be flexible, because the only certainty we have in life is that we will one day die. Everything else is a complete uncertainty. And when you know that, 
I heard Deepak Chopra talk about it. You become like the reed in the wind and you're flexible and you're able to move. You're not that that tree trunk that's solid and just can't move. So things in life are always changing and sometimes we don't have control like with COVID with that external factors. But if we move with it, then that is where we see life being able to shift and bend for us as well. Uh, takes a lot of faith. I mean, yeah. are you not afraid that things will go wrong and you will lose the beautiful thing that you have today? Well, it is faith. And I just believe that there is a universe that is friendly. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. I always believe that everything happens for a reason. And I know that when bad things do happen, that it's not like God or the universe or the divine is looking at you and saying, I'm going to take your son away from you because I focused on you and that's how it's going to be. It's absolutely not like that. I mean, I remember someone once said to me, when you have a child, you don't go, oh, my God, I cannot believe that happened to us. I cannot believe that we were given a child. Yet when something's taken away, you say, I can't believe that happened to me. Like, why did that happen? But it's not personal. The universe is not personal. And I think once people realise that, then they can they can understand that there is not an almighty person standing out there saying bad person, good person. Things happen and, you know, it goes so much deeper. We go into karma and all this kind of stuff or your life's soul journey. But when you understand that there are bigger forces at play and you will always be divinely led, then things are going to be okay. And that's how I've always lived my life. And you can live a lot more fiercely like that. So I'll tell you openly, I actually believe that God, the universe, the divine, whichever way you want to believe in it, deals with those people as per their expectations. So if you have faith that everything will be all right, somehow when I meet those people, everything's always all right. It's really interesting. It's almost like you're manifesting at the grand level. At the grand level, you're saying, look, I'm going to have the time of my life. I'm going to run through this life like a maniac, enjoy every bit of it, make a difference, leave a mark, take risks, jump off ledges, and I'm going to be fine. The only certainty is that I'm leaving at the end, but nothing else is certain. Nothing else is to be blocked and nothing else is guaranteed. I love the way you said it. Nobody ever walks to you and says, I can't believe this happened to me. I was given an amazing child right? We take that for granted. And only if you go out there and go dating and meet that amazing woman, and then, you know, somehow something happens, you get that gift. Otherwise, if you stayed at home and closed the door, good luck making one on your own. So it just doesn't work that way. Yes. You know, a few key things that I learned, the past and the future are just thoughts. All we have is the now. And also the mighty mighty powerful force of love and it is when I started concentrating on love and using love in my manifestations my life started really changing so love is the most powerful force that we have on this earth it can change anything and obviously we need that duality because it it shows us the brightness, you know, the day and the night and the stars wouldn't twinkle in the sky if we didn't have the nighttime. So you need that shade, the dark and the light. But at the same time, 
it's that the force of love can attract anything. And a lot of the times now I'll go into my meditations and I do these really deep, deep meditations. And even instead of actually manifesting things coming into my life, which I've done for a long time and I still occasionally do them, I actually sit there and just put myself in a blanket of love. And then what I do mm. is I get my heart and my my mind and they sync up. So you feel after you've done it for a while in the meditation, you start feeling your heart beating at this beautiful, it's in sync. So the beat of your heart starts being in sync with your mind. It's, it's, it is the most incredible thing. And then after doing these meditations, I have the most wild synchronicities start happening to me. And that's when I realize, wow, this love is so unbelievably powerful. And if you look through the lens of love in everything that you do, and I know it can be hard sometimes. I mean, God, I've had things happen to me where I'm like, there is no love in that. There is no iota of love in that. But if we go back to the Wayne Dyer phrase, which is you change the way you look at things and the things you look at change, your world changes. So looking through the lens of love has completely changed my life and continues to change my life and attracts me absolute abundance. And I'm not talking abundance in money and that kind of stuff, just a fulfilled life. That's why I love you, I think. That's really why I think we connected the first time. So I, I have to admit to you, I only noticed it now that you speak. You also deal with everything, not just yourself, not the universe. You deal with everything with this underlying sense of love. Like every one of your listeners, I believe, feels that you're doing this because you love them. It is so powerful. That's so funny you say that because it's so true. In I got a message and I reference him again because the interview only came out today. In the Simon Sinek interview, someone messaged me on Instagram and they said, Sarah, I mean, I don't know who this person is, that gorgeous, gorgeous soul said, Sarah, I listened to the Simon Sinek interview and it was so beautiful. It blew me away. The thing that brought me to tears is when he was talking about his depression and you asked him how he was. And I remember thinking, wow, like, what else would you do? <laughs> yeah. the, the, the fact that she noticed, because maybe a lot of people, it was it was like our questions had finished and then I said, Simon, how, how are you now? And he kind of was a bit like off guard as well when I asked that and then he had a beautiful answer. But the thing is, to your point, the listeners noticed because I cared. I cared. And, and that's the difference too, Mo. I listen to people and I love hearing people's stories. I think it's so interesting. I mean, I spoke to a friend of mine the other day and she's married to a very high-profile person, really high-profile, and I said to her, and he's always in the media for good and for bad. It's the nature of what he does. And I said to her, how do you deal with the negative stuff? And she told me a story about not so much negative in the press, but something that personally had happened and it affected the family. And I just sat and let her talk for, you know, however long, but I walked away and I felt so moved by what she had told me. And the point is, I just love listening to anyone's stories. I love listening to the people I interview, obviously, but it could be a friend or it could be the guy that the janitor at work. To me, Everyone has an amazing story to tell and 
I treat everyone the same. And when you, again, it's that whole idea of looking at them through the lens of love. Because when you do, you just find the beauty in everyone. And people, sometimes you think it's not there. Sometimes you think, I don't think that person has it, but everyone has it. I've been really, really deeply contemplating this because I'm here in London now for around 10 days. And I lived in London for a year and a bit. And I love so many people here. Like I'm so close to so many people. But the pace of life, a problem with me is I don't go for a half an hour coffee. I can't do a 25 minutes meeting. Okay. Yeah, no, I can't imagine you could. Yeah, I mean, when I meet someone, I want to stay there. It also is a bit of a Middle Eastern thing. Our understanding of time, we're an events-based culture. We're not a clock-based culture. So if I'm going to be speaking to my friend Sarah, it's going to be for as long as our hearts please, right? And the challenge of slowing down is that there is not enough hours in the world to feed all that love for all of those people. It's actually quite an interesting challenge for me because I would probably want, I don't know, um, 25 hours a day just dedicated to deeply connected with the people that I love. And then we start the work day. And that's a challenge. Do you have rituals of slowing down? Do you have, I mean, you have a very busy life. You were just editing before you spoke to me. I'm sure you're going to do seven things after we're done. How do you slow down? Well, it's really interesting you say that because I do have a really busy life. But one thing that I will always do is my meditation in the morning. So I make sure when I get up, I don't check my phone. I sleep with it on airplane mode. And then I'll go and do anywhere between minimum half an hour to an hour meditation every single morning. And then I'll do some sort of movement, not every morning, but as much as I'm able to get it in. And sometimes within the meditations, there's breath work or something like that, that I'll do as well. And that is how I will slow down. And it's, it's a great start to the day, but other times I'm always listening to something and I think that's because I'm in the audio world and have been for such a very long period of time. But, you know, I was very, I was saying to you before we got on, I I love everything I do, but I've got a lot of work at the moment. It's just a period where the amount of work I've got is full on. And I've noticed that it's, I've been a bit stressed, which happens to us all because you want to make sure you get everything done. And you know what I started to do, and this is my way of slowing down. When I'm stressed, I go back to my favorite teachers like we were talking about in the beginning, and I've listened to their audio books that I've listened to hundreds of times before, yeah, not yeah. hundreds, but a lot. And last night I started listening to Wayne Dyer, Wishes Fulfilled. I mean, that is such an old book, but it's mm, such a wonderful classic. book. Absolutely. And so I was in the bath and I had my earbuds in and I'm listening to Wishes Fulfilled and it will be like, obviously it's a longer book. I'm not listening to the whole thing. But it'll just be bits and pieces and he'll say something and I'll go, yes. And I'll reframe <laughs> I'll reframe what I was thinking about in my head. It'll be those pieces of gold that these teachers that I adore have said and that I just need a little bit of a refresher on. So, I mean, yeah, my big ways of slowing down is to do the inside work and I do it through audio books or I do it through doing my own meditation and that's the way that I really you know of course I'd love to go for a walk in the forest or I'd love to sit by the sea or but when I don't have time which I don't at the moment and we're in lockdown so we can only go 5k radius and those things aren't in my 5k 
those are the ways that I do slow down. Otherwise, of course, taking a holiday is a perfect way of slowing down that I'd love to do, but it's not something that we're able to do at the moment. So it's really taught me this time to really look inwards and deal with anything that bubbles up on the surface, knowing that only I can deal with that kind of stuff. And, you know, like I've got people who are unofficial mentors that I chat to. I've got a friend who's deeply spiritual. He's a good friend of mine. And if I ever feel out of sorts, I give him a buzz. I mean, I give him a buzz to catch up and he's really good with advice. So I have people in my life that I can turn to be able to get another perspective on things because it's a funny thing. People look at us, Mo, as being teachers ourselves, which we are. And sometimes also the teacher needs to have a teacher (laughs) to be able to run things fast or talk to as well. So I've noticed that obviously in my life I don't have that as much as I did many years ago, but occasionally it's just lovely to talk to someone or I have friends. I mean, this guy's a good friend, but I have other friends in my life that will be good to just get a different perspective on things. And I think that's so important. You know what one thing um, as well that we kind of basically spoke about this a bit at the start, but it's something that was really beautiful when I started changing my life and I started understanding the law of attraction and cause and effect and let go of friendships that weren't serving me. The people that were then attracted into my life were so like-minded and that has been such an absolute blessing from all walks of life to, like we said, people on the podcast, but then also just people I'm meeting from every realm that has been so unbelievably refreshing to meet people who are like-minded because I know a lot of people get into this space and they they find it hard to find like-minded people, but they're definitely out there. So it's been, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to have a real group of people that I can lean on in any time that will be able to meet me at a similar level. So interesting that you say this. So as you know, I write many books at the same time. One book that I'm spending a lot of time in now is called Finding Love. And it's all about, it's much deeper than just dating and relationships. It's actually about finding true love if you want. But a part of it is the idea of how the modern world of love and dating is all about. And that the one of the biggest, I was writing a section about how one of the biggest reasons why we don't end up finding love is what I call false advertising. False advertising is if basically you show to the world that these are the friends you want to be this, with and these are the, the kind of people that you mix with and this is your kind of jokes and this is your kind of behavior because you're with them and they're not serving you. By definition, you're telling everyone else who is not like them to stay away. And the idea is if you stop false advertising yourself, if you just say, look, this is who I am, this is who I want to be, this is who you will get if you're with me, suddenly somehow the right people start to get attracted because they go like, ah, that's the person I want to be with. She's not with the wrong people, right? Yeah. And it's really, really straightforward, but most of us don't realize that. Most of us think that keeping the wrong people in your life is like, yeah, it's going to tax me an hour a day. No, no, it's going to taint you in a way that actually keeps the good people away. It's a very interesting Absolutely. concept. Absolutely. It's yeah. so it's such an interesting concept, and I never realized it. And I was always too nervous to let go, like, oh, I don't want to. And it's not like I would say, hey, you know, um, let's cut the cord. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was a gradual 
that person probably didn't want to be my life either. So yeah. it was a gradual movement away from each other. And then like the exhale relief, the absolute <laughs> exactly. relief of, of year, but you don't even realise it till a, year, a couple of years pass and you and you think to yourself, I was not serving them as much as they weren't serving yeah. me and now you don't have that pressure that you felt to somehow unite on a level that wasn't there. Mm. I know this is just, uh, we're never prepared to answer that question because I get asked that question too. But of all of your conversations on a life of greatness, tell me two or three that really, really affected you in whichever way, affected you yeah. emotionally, affected you conceptuals, you know, in terms of understanding concepts or learning something new. I think, like we said, the one with Caroline Mace was stuck with me forever. And, and the reason why it was so impactful is she tells a story on the podcast and it's about prayer. So basically she tells a story about how she was in a taxi with someone and the lady driving the car was saying, I need to tell you a story about my life. Like she knew who Caroline was and Caroline's hilarious. She's like, oh, not another story, but you seem nice. Okay, tell me the story. And this lady says, like, I was in this car accident and I had like a, a near-death experience. I left my body and she said the weirdest thing was I could hear what the cars, the five to six cars behind me was saying. And most of them were like, because they were all banked up, and most of them were like, oh, God, a car accident. Oh, my God, I'm going to be late for work. And, oh, I can't believe this. They were complaining. And she said, but from the sixth car this light shot out of the car and went straight into my heart. And I realized then, bang, I went from being in the car. This is the lady having the out-of-body experience. She said, and then I was placed next to this woman in the sixth car and she was praying for me. She was sending me prayers, oh. hoping that I was okay. And she goes, and as fast as I was then, I was shot back to the car and I could feel my spirit guide or angel saying to me, it's going to be hard and it's going to hurt a bit, but you'll be okay. It'll be a slow recovery, but you'll be okay. You need to go back into your body now. And she's like, okay. And so she said, you know, I went back into my body and it it took six months. It took six months for me to get better. But as soon as I got better, I had memorized this lady's number plate who was praying for me. And I knocked on her door one day with flowers and I said to her, <sighs> I want to tell you, thank you. I was the lady in the car accident. Thank you for praying for me. Oh my and I was just like, oh my God, our prayers are heard. And Caroline was just like that. She goes, I knew that I was meant to hear that story. So I was on a platform to be able to tell as many people that story as I possibly could. And it really, Mo, it changed the way that I, I thought about prayer. And I, again, don't pray from a religious perspective, but I make my own prayers up and prayers of love and gratitude and not always wanting, wanting, I want more and more from the universe, not like that, but thanking and loving and connecting and knowing that, again, it goes back to the fact that there is a divine guidance that's always watching us and always there with us in a friendly manner. And that's really changed the way that I absolutely live my life. Other interviews that have changed my life, I mean, oh God, there's been so unbelievably many, but, you know, I think all the work that Joe Dispenza does is amazing. And 
his understanding of quantum physics really is life-changing. So speaking to him has been absolutely incredible. I mean, he talks a lot about manifestation as well and meditation and, yeah, his work has is life-changing. He talks a lot about changing your thought patterns as well and that stuff has been incredible. Bruce Lipton, life-changing, talking about how your genes are not your destiny and him speaking about how I, this story also blew me away. He was he told me this story about a boy that got adopted into a family and the whole everyone in the family had cancer and this boy was adopted so he'd not have the same genes as anyone in the family but being in the environment of everyone that had cancer he got cancer and the understanding that it's not the genes that turns the illness on it's the environment that turns the illness on and that really again I mean god that kind of epigenetic work is phenomenal so his understanding on the world I found completely mind-blowing I mean everyone I speak to I just get blown away I mean I even someone like it just comes to mind because it was not so long ago like Adam Grant who's not even you know he's not highly spiritual but his whole idea about think again and how he talks about that our first idea is usually one that's incorrect and he's a numbers man and all about scientific evidence which I love as well and he speaks about how you know, sometimes it's better that we rethink our first answer to a question because usually the first thing we think of is not the correct one. So even something like that I just find mind-blowing. But then, you know, I speak to a Krishna Das and you just listen to the the deeply spiritual life of that man and his travels with Ram Das and the work that he does with chanting and how he chants the names of God and You know, I remember after I spoke to him, something again had come up in my life that had upset me. And one day I literally sat in my meditation because I had said to him, what do I do if something's not right? He said, just chant the names, chant the names of God that you listen to in my music. And I put on my headphones, I put on one of his beautiful tracks and I I just sung to it and I was weeping and weeping. And, you know, after that, it was like, 20 kilos had been taken off me. I just felt so much better. And the thing that I was upset about, completely everything changed and worked out for the better. So, I mean, there's just so many amazing people that I've spoken to that every episode, I mean, your episode, Mo, was full of so much wisdom. I remember one thing that you said in your episode that I also feel, you said to me that, you know, you give out so much love to people and then that that love is then given straight back to you and I feel the same in my life where I get a lot of love that it comes from from giving it out as well so oh you know who actually this was a big life changer for me and I studied his work before I interviewed him but Gary Zukov his idea of the law of cause and effect his explanation for it was phenomenal and really made me understand that what we say and what we do will come straight back at us. So if you put good into the world, good will come back to you. And if you put negativity into the world, that will start coming back to you as well. And if you betray someone, that betrayal will come back to you. It might not come back in the same way, but it will come back in some form. And once you understand the concept of cause and effect, that spiritual law, then you change the way that you handle everything and go about your day. So those profound teachings have absolutely changed my life. 
So I, I will just say that from a cause and effect point of view, I think what you put out in the world is simply amazing. You put your, it's not just the teachings, Sarah, that you get out of people. I think you put your own essence in there and your own essence is beautiful in every possible way. And yes, I think you will have to get used to having love poured on you because I believe you're very lovable for what you do and you're very lovable for who you are. And uh, you know how much I love you and you know how much I appreciate having you in my life in, in the capacity that we've managed to establish over Zoom, which is really amazing. Amazing. You're the best, really. I totally, totally admire what you do. I admire the person that you are and I'm so grateful that I had you here introduced to my, the rest of my friends and my listeners here today. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. And getting to know you and having you in my life sincerely has been such a magical thing. You are a beautiful soul and I love the conversations that we have together. So it's been an absolute pleasure, like it is always, to chat with you. Thank you, Sarah. So for all of you listening... I think this episode is definitely worth sharing. Tell people about what you heard today, teach them some of what you learned, and perhaps take an outlook on life similar to Sarah's. Believe, have faith, and take risks, and ask, and uh, pray, and manifest. I think most of us get stuck and we forget that we can actually create our own lives, a life of greatness, I think, is within your hand. Do find me on social media. I still am trying so hard to answer every message I get. I apologize if I'm a little late. I get thousands of them. Mo underscore Gaudet on Instagram, M Gaudet uh, on Twitter, and Mo Gaudet on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, take a bit of time to build your own slowing down rituals because life is quite demanding and Regardless of how demanding it is, there is always a tiny bit of time for you to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.